Cornelli by Johanna Spiri. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by J. L. Baldwin. Chapter 10 New Life in Illerstream. Winter had come. For the inhabitants of the garret lodging, the days were filled with so much regular work that the nights were always greeted with loud regrets and complaints. They were always sorry when the day was done and no more time was left for their plans. Agnes was especially angry and ready to spit fire from disgust at the arrival of the hated bedtime which always broke up everything. "'We lose half of our lives in sleeping,' she indignantly called out several times. "'I wish you would let us sing all night long, mother,' she said. "'We should only be more keen for our other work next day if we could really devote ourselves to music for a while, instead of always stopping off in the middle whenever we are in the mood to sing.' The children's mother, however, did not agree with Agnes, so the nights had to be used for sleeping, as before. Cornelli's singing delighted Agnes more and more. Cornelli sang everything as lightly and freely as a bird, and with such a clear and resonant voice that everybody got pleasure from it. There was no other voice in the whole school which was as sure and as full as Cornelli's. Even the teacher said so, and during the singing lesson he placed her right in front of him because she was the best leader of the chorus. In the middle of winter, Mr. Helmet wrote to Mrs. Holm to inform her that he was taking a lengthy journey to foreign parts. As he felt that Cornelli was well taken care of in her household, he was anxious to use this opportunity for traveling. He also wrote that he had shortened his last trip in order not to tie his kind cousin and her friend too long to his lonely house. He told her that he was very sorry not to be able to pay her and Cornelli a visit before leaving, for he had to start at once. Never before had spring come so fast. So, at least, it seemed to Cornelli, who was walking home alone one day from school. The winter had gone by, and already a mild wind was blowing through the streets, and the melting snow was dropping from the roofs. From the top of a roof a little bird was whistling and singing a song of delight to the bright blue sky above. Cornelli's school had been over sooner than the other children's, so she was in no hurry and stood still to listen. A ray of sunshine was flowing into the street, and the bird kept on singing and whistling, on and on, a heavenly familiar sound. Suddenly the lovely beech wood at home rose before Cornelli's eyes, and she saw the trees in their first green leaves, the first violets under the hedge, her beloved first violets. She saw the yellow crocuses sparkling beside the bright red primroses in the garden. The birds at home used to whistle above her in all the trees in just the same way as these in the city. Oh, how lovely the coming of the spring had always been at home! How wonderful it would be to see all these familiar sights again! At that thought Cornelli ran to the house as fast as she possibly could. Sitting down beside her inkwell, she wrote as follows. Dear Papa, I am sure it is more beautiful at home now than anywhere else. May I come home soon? I am sure that the violets are out and that everything is getting green in the woods. Soon there will be lots of flowers in the garden, and later on the roses and then all the berries and forget-me-nots in the meadows will come out. I know now that it is nowhere as beautiful as at home. I should love to show the mother and the girls everything, and I know that Mux would adore the little kid. Dino already loves the meadows in the garden, and I hope that he will come to Illerstream again. If I could only soon see it all again. A great many kisses. From your daughter, Corneli. Corneli did not get an answer from her father for three weeks. He wrote to her that his journey had been lengthened beyond his expectation. He also said how glad he was that his daughter had suddenly realized what a beautiful home she had. 
but that he disapproved entirely of her leaving her school abruptly. He told her to stay in town till the summer holidays, for he was obliged himself to stay away till then. He gave her permission to invite for the holidays all the family who had been so good to her, for he and Cornelli too had much reason to be grateful to Mrs. Holm. There was plenty of room for all of them in the house, and he would like to have them with him all summer long. Cornelli at first was a little disappointed that it was going to be so long before she could be home, and see again the garden, the meadows, and the beechwood, for her longing for them had grown more and more. But when she thought of the prospect of having all the family with her all summer, including Dino and his mother, she was so happy that all her disappointment vanished. Her joy was supreme when that day at lunchtime she gave the family her father's invitation. On all sides she perceived signs of boundless joy. Nika and Agnes had had the firm conviction that they were to spend the summer, as usual, in the hot garret dwelling without any special holidays, and now they could spend all summer in beautiful Illerstream, about which Dino had told them so much. He had described Cornelli's house and garden as a perfect paradise, and now they would live there themselves. Agnes screamed for joy, and Nika's face was radiant with happiness. Mrs. Holm was greatly moved with gratitude and delight. She had been worrying lately about Dino, for she had been uncertain whether she would be able to send him away long enough for the boy to be properly strengthened. She had feared that the time would have to be exceedingly short, and that the benefit, therefore, would be very slight. Now the good God had suddenly taken all her anxiety from her, and had changed it into a boundless blessing. Dino smiled with complete satisfaction, and said again and again, I wish you knew how wonderful it all is. Such a garden, and such trees, such a stable, and such horses. Oh, how I love beautiful Illerstream! Mux called out louder and louder, Oh, Cornelli, take me along. He could not realize that he was really going too. There were still many days and even weeks before their bliss would come true, but with this heavenly prospect before them, the children performed their remaining duties only too joyfully. It was different for Cornelli. Her longing for her home had grown more violent every day. Wherever she saw a green tree or a bush, she saw the garden at home, the meadows and the flowers in Iller Stream before her mind's eye. So her desire to return there, to see it all again, became almost painful. She felt finally as if the day would never come when she could again see her home. It came nevertheless. A large trunk was taken away on a cart, and the whole family followed it towards the station. Trina came last. In her wandering eyes one could see that despite all the preparations, she did not yet believe the reality of the coming journey. Cornelli had begged Mrs. Holmes so urgently to let her go, too, that the child's wish had been granted. Cornelli had been willing to take the responsibility for the unexpected guest. Mux was so excited that he kept on running in front of everybody and hindering them all in walking. "'Be sensible, Mux,' Dino exclaimed. "'If you go on like that, we'll miss the train, and there won't be any trip.' These words disconcerted Mux to such a degree that he simply tore away down the street. Dino had to run after him to catch him, for Mux knew no road or way and had dashed ahead only in his fear of arriving too late. At last they reached the station and entered their car. Now they were moving out into the beautiful country. The sun was shining over the fields and woods, and there was not a single cloud in the sky. Cornelli was sitting beside the open window, eagerly looking out. The journey lasted for a little more than two hours, and as soon as it was over, they got out. "'Here he comes! Here he comes!' Cornelli cried out, running towards the road which led into the valley. 
Here Matthew was just stopping the pair of horses from their lively trot. In a moment, Cornelli was at the dismounting coachman's side, calling to him, How are you, Matthew? I am coming home again. Is everything at home still the same? Welcome, Cornelli, welcome home, he said, radiant with joy, for his master's child was his greatest pride. But how you have grown, Cornelli! Oh, how changed our Cornelli is! Matthew shook her hand with great delight, and then opened the carriage door for the family who had approached. Oh, here is the young gentleman from last summer, Matthew said again, shaking Dino's hand. But you looked better when you were with us. Oh, yes, the young gentleman looked much better then, I think. I should think so, Matthew, said Dino. Of course I looked better when I could drink such good milk from the stable in the fine fresh morning air. It was different in town. Mrs. Holm had entered the carriage, and the two girls had followed. Mux, gazing motionless at the shining horses, could not be taken away in a hurry from that wonderful sight. They are coming along, too, said Matthew, who enjoyed the open admiration the little boy was showing. You will be able to look at them every day, and you can ride on them to the fountain. That helped the situation. Everybody was soon inside of the carriage, and Trina sat beside Matthew on the coachman's box. Now they galloped gaily along into the valley. Oh, mother, just look at the red daisies, Cornelli cried out. Oh, look at the golden buttercups. Oh, look, look, see all the blue forget-me-nots. Cornelli had jumped up, for she could not sit still any more, and was looking forwards and backwards, to right and to left. The meadows had never been so full of flowers, and every few moments Cornelli cried out with delight. When the carriage drove into the courtyard, Cornelli was the first to jump down. "'Oh, Esther, how are you?' she called to her old friend. Full of dignity and covered with a spotless white apron, the cook stood ready to receive the guests. "'Oh, now I am home again. Is everything still the same? Is the garden still the way it was, and Martha and her house, too?' "'Yes, yes, Cornelli. And how are you?' returned Esther, looking eagerly at Cornelli. "'How you have changed. In truth, you have changed wonderfully. You are not the same.' Cornelli was already running into the house to the living room and to her own wardrobe. Yes, everything had remained the same. She flew outside again to the mother, to lead her into the house. The child's face fairly beamed with joy. Cornelli's father was busy working in his office. Hearing the sound of the approaching wheels, he started. Here they are already, he said to himself. He hastily threw off his working coat, and putting on a good coat, left the iron foundry. While he was walking across the courtyard, he sighed deeply. Freshly stamped in his memory, he saw before him his only child, as she had looked when he had returned from his journey a year ago. Cornelli had stood before him shyly, with averted glance, resembling a little savage who had never been combed. "'I wonder what the child is like now,' he muttered to himself. As he entered the living room, Cornelli looked up at him. The director was quite startled at what he saw. Now Cornelli flew up to him. "'Oh, Papa, oh, Papa, it is so wonderful to be home again. Everything is still the way it used to be. Oh, I am so glad to be home again.' The father wanted to embrace his child, but before he did so, he held her at arm's length to gaze at her once more. "'Cornelli,' he said, with tears in his eyes, "'you look at me the way your mother used to. "'You have grown just like your mother,' he said, "'putting his arms lovingly about her. "'How was it possible? "'How could you change in this way? "'How did it happen?' "'Mother knows about it, Papa. "'Mother has helped me,' said Cornelli, "'going with shining eyes to the mother, "'for Mrs. Holm had retreated to the back of the room. "'The director now turned to his new guest.' Welcome to our house, he said heartily, greeting both her and the children. 
holding cornelli's hand within his own he continued with emotion how different you have brought her back to me how did you do it can this be the same child that i brought you the happy father had to look at cornelli over and over again for he hardly yet realized that this was his child was this really cornelli and not a creature of his imagination so he held the child's hand and looked again and again into her shining eyes it really seemed as if he could not believe it esther laden with the dinner dishes now came into the room to set the table she informed her master that the guest rooms were ready and that she supposed the ladies wanted to retire before the coming meal mrs holm and her daughter gladly followed her but cornelli said oh papa can i run over to martha i'll be back very soon dino also begged to go for he longed to see old martha again as the permission had readily been given the two children started off they had meant to run down the path but cornelli could not go fast the meadow was so full of daisies buttercups and especially of blue forget-me-nots her favorite flowers that she felt as if she had to gather them all and dino had to remind her that their time was short and that the flowers would still be there to-morrow martha had heard that cornelli and her guests were expected that day so she had several times glanced toward the garden to see if she could discover trace of her or of dino now both came flying up the steps and martha ran out to meet them oh yes here was dino dino whom she knew so well and cornelli too martha looked at the child and tried to say something instead of that however bright tears started to her eyes and she was unable to speak oh martha how i have looked forward to coming home and coming to you right away cornelli exclaimed are you glad too martha oh i am so happy i too i too cornelli martha assured her what memories you bring back to me child for you have grown just like your mother oh how different you are now from what you were god has blessed your life in town it seems like a miracle oh how i have prayed for this after these words she shook dino's hand looking at him rather sadly for her great joy at seeing him again was dimmed by his delicate appearance oh dino how pale and thin you look she said last year you were so much stouter that is why i came again to Illerstream, dino replied cheerfully you must rejoice with us now mrs martha for cornelli and i are tremendously pleased to be here again it is just as lovely here as it was last year and now we can come to see you every day for this seems like home martha was so moved that she could not speak here was cornelli looking as fresh and bright as ever all the unspeakably sad expression had vanished from her face together with the awful disfigurement of those days the old woman was deeply stirred by the happy look in the little girl's eyes her young mother had looked at her just that way and here was dino too full of his old attachment and speaking such kind words to her she could hardly believe this great happiness we have to go now martha cornelli said but we'll come every day the way we used to you know that martha i'll run over every single day and i too cried dino when the happy little couple were running away martha looked after them from her little stairway her eyes were moist yet followed the two till they were lost from sight even then she still stood there with folded hands oh good god she said quietly my heart is full of thankfulness thou hast blessed everything that was hard for the child and hast turned everything to good when the children entered the house cornelli said just go in dino i'll soon follow you then she turned and went into the kitchen oh i was hoping all the time that our cornelli could still find her way to the kitchen said esther with satisfaction come and let me have a real look at you cornelli esther placed herself squarely in front of the child and said you have grown a lot last year cornelli 
and your hair is so neatly combed and brushed. One can certainly enjoy looking at our Cornelli now. Cornelli blushed a little, for she had to remember the way she had looked when she had gone away. She knew how it had been, and how she had shut her heart against the help Esther had often offered her. Oh, Esther, I have to tell you something. Where is Trina, the maid, who has come with them? I told her to go behind the house to look at the vegetable garden, said Esther. She stood in my way all the time. I am afraid she is not very quick. No, she isn't. I know that. But, Esther, I want to tell you something about her. Please be good to her, Cornelli begged. You see, Trina is blockheaded and awkward, but she can't help it. You don't know how that is, but I know. And if you are very good to her, she won't mind as much being that way. Won't you do me that favor, Esther? Full of surprise, Esther looked after the child, who was running towards the dining room. How does she ever think of such things? Esther murmured to herself. One might think Cornelli had to begin at the bottom herself, instead of being the director's daughter who can have whatever she wants. Esther kept on shaking her head for quite a while, but she was anxious to show Cornelli that she was the only daughter of the house and could command her. She was very proud of Cornelli's position and eager to prove to her young mistress that she was only too happy to follow her wishes. When the first merry meal was over, the children were allowed to run out to the garden. They already knew what they were going to see there because Dino had described it to them with great enthusiasm. He had told them about the flower garden with its wealth of color, the trellises covered with red peaches, the heavily laden pear and apple trees. Now they could see all those wonders for themselves, including the stable with the splendid cows and the proud and shining horses. So the five children ran away with great eagerness. The director and Mrs. Holm remained in the dining room, drinking their coffee in each other's company. Please, Mr. Helmut, she said, as soon as the door had closed behind the children, please let me thank you for your great kindness. I want to tell you how grateful I am. What do you mean? Why do you want to thank me, Mrs. Holm? The director interrupted her. Please let me speak first. It is I who want to thank you. I shall never be able to repay you for what you have done. What wonders you have accomplished for my child. How you have been able to change and develop, Corneli. How well she looks now. I have to gaze at her again and again, for I can hardly believe that it is the same child. How can I thank you enough? How did you ever do it? And what patience, care, and trouble you must have taken with her. I am afraid that it has required endless thought on your part to bring her back like this. Oh, no, Mr. Helmut, that was not the way at all, said Mrs. Holm. Cornelli has cost me neither patience, care, nor trouble. If by a little love I have been able to draw out the good kernel of her nature and bring it to happy development, then that is all I have done. Cornelli has never made my task hard for me. We have all become so fond of her that we had to think with sorrow of the time when she would leave us. I shall never forget what happy hours Dino had with Cornelli during his illness, and how she constantly entertained my sociable little mucks with her constant merriment and kindness. Yes, Mr. Helmet, I shall never forget what she has done, and I can assure you that you have a lovely little daughter. The director jumped up in his excitement and strode to and fro in the room. What different enthusiasm from that of a year ago! You do not know what you are saying, Mrs. Holm, he said, standing still before her. You are relieving me of most dreadful anxiety. I have suffered perfect tortures because I was blaming myself for having neglected my Cornelia's child. I thought it was too late, and that Corneli had grown hopelessly stubborn. Now you have come and brought me back my child so that she even resembles her mother in her eyes and her whole expression and appearance. My wife was friendly and gay, and now you tell me that this is Cornelia's disposition, too. 
"'I have to tell you something else, Mr. Helmet,' Mrs. Holm continued. "'I am perfectly sure that a child's first impressions are very important. "'It is natural that Cornelli missed her mother's guidance, "'but she was not by any means a neglected child when she came to me. "'From what she and Dino have told me, "'I am perfectly sure that Martha gave Cornelli "'the best one can possibly give a child on spiritual education. "'I esteem old Martha very highly.' for she must love and understand children as few people do. My wife used to say the same thing, and that is why I had such confidence in Martha. Unfortunately, a time came later on when I feared that she was wrong, and I did not realize what she meant to Corneli. You have reminded me of my great debt. At this moment such loud laughter and rejoicing sounded from below that both stepped to the open window. Mux was screaming loudly and seemed quite beside himself. "'Mama, mamma! he cried out. "'Just look at a living goat boy and a real goat. "'Come down and see me!' "'Mux was sitting on the seat of a lovely wicker carriage "'with two reins in one hand and a whip in the other, "'while a young and slender goat was pulling him. "'Agnes and Cornelli were running beside the carriage as protectors, "'while Dino held the goat lightly by the reins "'to keep her from running off. "'All the children were screaming with delight at the wonderful ride. "'Matthew was standing beside the bushes to watch this trial trip.' for he thought that his help might be needed. He had built the carriage for Corneli and had already several times harnessed the goat so as to teach her how to behave when Corneli returned. When Matthew had first shown the little conveyance to the children, Corneli had said right away that Mux had to take the first ride in order to realize the scene he loved so much in his picture book. Mux simply screamed to his mother in wild joy. To see the wonderful spectacle from nearby, she came down to the garden. The director also left the house, but he went another way. Not long afterwards he went up Martha's little stairway to the porch where the old woman sat on her stool, mending. "'Oh, Mr. Helmet,' she called out in her surprise. Opening the door, she led her visitor into her room, for the porch was very narrow. Mr. Helmet entered. "'Martha,' he said in a business-like tone, "'I have spoiled your business by taking your boarder away from you forever.' That requires a compensation, and so I have just bought your little cottage from the farmer over there, besides the little piece of ground in front of it. Now you will have more room for your carnations, and if you manage well, you can surely have some pleasant days from the rent which you save. Are you satisfied? Oh, Mr. Helmet, is this little house really my own now, and will I really have a garden besides? Oh, Mr. Helmet! But her benefactor would not let her say any more. After heartily shaking her hand, he hurried away. The large raspberries were peeping out between the green leaves, and the golden plums were dropping from the heavily laden branches. From morning till night, on these beautiful summer days, Mux fairly swam in uninterrupted bliss. Before he had even opened his eyes in the morning, he would call out to his mother in his sleep, "'Oh, mother, are we in Iller Stream still? Are we still here?' Then the hours of the day began, each more lovely than the last, and Mux could not tell which was the best.' As the boy spent most of the day in the stable, the hayloft, and the barn, his mother had been obliged to make him a special stable costume. The little boy loved to watch the milking of the cows, and he never tired of admiring the horses and the goat. Matthew had become his best friend. The gardener constantly thought out pleasant surprises for Mux, who showed a decided taste for farming. If Matthew had to do some important work where Mux was in the way, he always devised a plan to keep the boy amused elsewhere. "'Go down there to the raspberry hedge, Mux,' he would say. "'The berries are finest and biggest there because the sun has cooked them through. "'Go to the plum tree afterwards and wait for me.' 
Mux would obey promptly, wandering over to the plum tree from the raspberry bushes, which he had lightened considerably. He would then sit thoughtfully under the plum tree, waiting till Matthew returned. The gardener then shook the tree so mightily that a flood of golden plums came rolling down over Mux, who could freely enjoy the wealth about him. If Matthew could not be found, and Corneli and Dino were busy with their own plans and did not need him, Mux knew another friend who always gave him a good reception. That friend was Esther. He loved to find her in the vegetable garden, which was also full of surprises for him. It was like a marvel to the little boy that the green peas hung here in abundance, whereas they were only served at home on feast days. He became quite scared when Esther picked a basketful. But when he warned her, saying, Don't take them all, for then we won't have any more, she only laughed and said, They always grow again. In a week there will be plenty more. If Mux looked a little timidly at the large cabbage heads, Esther said to him, Don't be afraid of them, Mux. If I cook cabbage, everybody else likes it so much that you won't have to eat it at all, and you can take the potatoes which I serve with it. Mux often accompanied Esther to the kitchen, where he soon picked up a lot of useful knowledge. There was no pastry, the exact recipe of which, as well as how it tasted, Mux could not tell. In this manner he lived through heavenly days. They were no less heavenly for the other children. Dino and Corneli had started the large undertaking of laying out Martha's garden after their own plan. They were so busy inventing things and carrying them out that they could hardly ever be found. Agnes struggled with Dino for first place in Corneli's affection, but Dino was always the victor. Corneli never forgot that he had been her first friend who had held fast to their friendship. For this she remained faithful to him. It was a consolation to Agnes that she could play on the lovely piano whenever she wanted to, and that Corneli was always home in the evenings when she could sing with her. Mr. Helmet would sit in his armchair while the two girls sang one song after another, and he could never hear enough. Beaming with joy, he would say to Mrs. Holm from time to time, The child has her mother's voice, except that her mother's voice was still fuller and softer. Mrs. Holm's face would beam too, as she would say, Just have a little patience, Director. You are sure some day to hear Cornelli's voice, when there will be nothing more to desire in it. Her teacher's highest wish is to train her voice. For answer, the father nodded, and lay back in his chair, smiling contentedly. Nika, too, was completely changed. No shadows dimmed her eyes, for she could wander about all day with her paint-box from one lovely spot to another, up to the beech-wood or to the hill where the big oak-tree stood. There she could sit on a bench and look down over the house and garden and far below into the wide green valley. Nika was very happy to be able to spend all her time in painting, without ever being disturbed or called away by unwished-for duties. When the mother saw the happy faces of her girls and Dino's improved health, she felt very happy too. Suddenly, however, the thought would rise in her, how will it be when these lovely days are over and we have to start living again in the narrow confines of town and in the shadow of those coming years? The holidays were nearing their end, but nobody yet had time to think of that, for the director's birthday was drawing near, and this was to be the great feast day for everybody. Mrs. Holm had asked each of the children to think out some surprise for Mr. Helmet. For Mux, however, she wrote a beautiful birthday verse. As the little boy's head was filled solely with thoughts of the barn and stable, the kitchen and the goat cart, the plums, the beetles, and ants, it took a great deal of time and trouble to fix the verse in his memory. Nika, needing no advice, had long ago decided what to do. Every day, as soon as the meals were over, she silently disappeared. 
Agnes and Cornelli bolted the door of the music room and let mysterious songs issue from behind it. Only Dino was still undecided about his task. When he was left alone with his mother and Mux one day, and all the others were busy with their preparations, he said, Tell me what I could do, mother. Draw him a picture of the beautiful goat, Mux advised. He knew that Dino could draw animals well, and to him there was no finer animal in all the world than the goat. What a knowing goat boy you are, Mux, Dino exclaimed. Despite his refusal to draw the goat, he had nevertheless gotten an idea from his little brother. Oh, I'll draw the two brown horses, he called out joyously. I'll make one trotting and the other walking. Matthew must lead them up for me. So the boy ran happily to the stable, and after that day he and Matthew had many meetings in secret. The birthday came at last. When the director entered the dining room in the morning, such a beautiful duet resounded from the next room that he was compelled to draw nearer. Agnes and Cornelli were both singing a lovely song with such deep feeling that the director could hardly speak. When they had ended, he patted them both on the shoulder with fatherly tenderness and then passed into the next room. Here Mux approached him and said his verse faultlessly in a loud, clear voice. On the table, the director found two beautiful drawings of his brown horses, and his joy over them was so great that he did not put them down for quite a while. But finally he saw all at once a large picture resting in the middle of the table. His house, with the surrounding garden, the luminous meadow, with the view toward the valley and the distant mountains beyond, was painted in such fresh and absolutely natural colors that Mr. Helmet was quite overcome. This was the view he had loved so passionately from his childhood. Cornelli, come here, the father called. Just look at this picture. Don't you have a beautiful home? Do you love your home as much as your father loves it? Oh, yes, Papa, I love it so much, said Cornelli, and I have to think every day that I never knew how beautiful it was before I went away. But ever since I came home again, I know, oh, how beautiful it looks in the picture. Agnes had been standing behind Cornelli. Suddenly she exclaimed passionately, Oh, Cornelli, if only you didn't have such a beautiful home. Agnes, the mother said in alarm, what unseemly words are you saying? The director looked in astonishment at Agnes, whose eyes were flashing fire while she regarded the painting. Have you had a disagreement with Cornelli? Is that the reason why you don't want her to have such a beautiful home? He asked with a sly smile. Agnes flushed scarlet. Oh, no, Mr. Helmut, I did not mean it that way. I have never fought with Cornelli, and I only fight with Dino because he wants to have Cornelli all the time. If Cornelli didn't have this beautiful home, and if she were like me and had to give up all her music lessons and had to earn her living, we could do fine things together. She has such a beautiful voice that we could hire a harp and could travel into strange cities and sing before the houses. Later on, we could give concerts and begin a singing school. But I can't do anything alone. At this outbreak, which no sign from her could check, the mother became alternately hot and cold from fright. Agnes's eyes still flashed with passionate excitement like burning coals. I approve of the singing school, but especially of sitting down to breakfast. I hope very much that we have the usual chocolate to drink today, for it is a good old custom for birthdays which should not be neglected. So a singing school is to be founded, he continued, while Mux gazed solemnly at the three huge cakes which were placed beside the three big chocolate pots. The wandering harp players are a little too poetical for me, but I like the idea of a school, Agnes. As I too wish to profit from it, I want it to be built on my estate. Lots of our workmen in the foundry have small children whose mothers are busy with the housework and their small babies. So Agnes and Cornelli are going to found a singing school in Illerstream, where all the children will go whose mothers have no time for singing. 
Upon their arrival, the children shall all be given a bowl of milk and a piece of bread apiece to make their voices fuller. Now we have settled all about the school. I shall also have my two teachers instructed so they won't ever be out of practice. I have also some work for Nika. She shall fill my house with lovely pictures from top to bottom. To inspire her with plenty of new ideas, I am going to send her to her professor in town for lessons. Dino shall help me keep my two horses in trim by giving them plenty of exercise, for that will be good for him and them. I can use Mux by having him trained to become the manager of my estate. The good beginning he has made in the knowledge of farming under Matthew's guidance shall be continued while the ground is covered with green and the trees are bearing fruit. The mother shall stay here for the protection of you all. So tell me now how you like my plan. Shall it be thus? Absolute silence followed. The children hardly dared to realize that the words they had just heard were true, and the mother was filled with deep emotion. She could not utter a word, and tears flowed from her eyes. Could it be possible that her great sorrow and heavy cares were suddenly lifted from her? Could it really be true? At that moment Mux said loudly, Yes, we like it very much. He had clearly grasped that it meant, for him, keeping on doing what he had enjoyed so much under Matthew's and Esther's care. The director had to laugh and continued, I must have the reply of the chief, my dear Mrs. Holmes, so please listen to my plan. I shall let you manage the children in the winter, and you shall arrange whatever they are to learn, but they must come here in the summer when I can enjoy all the results of their studies. I shall also enjoy the great advantage of having you manage my house when you are here. Does that suit everybody, or am I getting more than my share? At last the mother composed herself. Oh, Mr. Helmet, how can I thank you, she said, offering him her trembling hand. I do not know how to express what is in my heart. How can I be grateful enough for such boundless kindness? You cannot know what your generosity means to us all. Even the children had understood that this unheard-of bliss was true. Nika was the first to run with beaming eyes to the director and seize his hand, but she could find no words to show her gratitude. Agnes and Dino, too, had run toward the director, and the latter did not know how to shake all the hands that were offered to him. Mux, who could find no access to his benefactor, climbed up on a chair and, putting his arms about him from behind, screamed a thousand words of thanks right into the director's ears. The wild rejoicing became louder and louder. "'Cornelli,' said the father at last, "'give thanks to your foster mother. She has earned them, for she has brought joy back to our house.' Cornelli did it with a full and willing heart, for she realized what the children's mother had done for her. Soon afterwards, Dino and Cornelli ran away, for they had a simultaneous thought. They did not want to wait another moment before bringing Martha the wonderful news. Nobody on earth could share their boundless happiness as Martha would. Martha's heart overflowed when she heard what had been proposed. Between freely flowing tears, she said again and again, Oh, Cornelli, everything has happened so wonderfully for you. God has ordained it much more wisely than we could have wished and prayed for. From now on we shall leave everything entirely in his hands. We'll do that as long as we live, won't we, Cornelli? Cornelli nodded with understanding. She had not forgotten how she had complained to Martha, and how Martha had told her to seek God's help. Martha had assured her that the help would always come, even if it revealed itself differently from the way she expected. Now it had all turned out so gloriously and so much more splendidly than Cornelli could ever have imagined. There had never been such rejoicing in the house as Agnes started when she and Nika had retired to their room in the evening, and Cornelli had come to pay her accustomed little evening visit. She skipped and danced about the room like a newly freed bird and called out, 
Now our troubles are over, and no secret fears can scare us any more. Now we can sing all we want and can live here with you every summer, Cornelli. Oh, we are the happiest creatures in all the world, and it has all happened through you, Cornelli. You wonderful, incomparable Cornelli. Agnes, seizing her friend's hand, jumped about with her in the room at such a rate that Nika had to calm her. The elder sister warned Agnes that the director might have to repent of his kindness to them if their lengthy stay began with such violent noise. One could see, though, that Nika was willing enough to join the others in their antics. "'The day on which you came to our house, Cornelli,' she said, "'has really been more blessed than any other day in the year, "'so we must always celebrate it as a great feast day.' Nika had lately been very sweet and friendly to Cornelli, and the younger girl had been very happy about it, but she had never dreamed that Nika would ever speak to her like this. When Esther heard that the home family was going to remain for the present and return every year, she said, "'Oh, I am glad. That is much better than if some other people I know had to come back. It is better for me and for Cornelli as well as for the whole house.' "'Oh, if I could only come again, too,' said Trina, whose face in these days was always beaming. Oh, one feels so happy here. That is very true, Esther affirmed. I do not see why you shouldn't. You don't need to worry, Trina. If Cornelli and I wish you well, we'll see that you come here again. The director did not like the thought of losing his large new family so soon, so he said one day to Mrs. Holm, I am very anxious to prolong the children's holiday this year till late in the fall. Dino, who is more in need of his studies than the others, is least able to go back to town because he ought to be thoroughly strengthened and made absolutely well. If it should be necessary for him to study, we have our good Mr. Maylinger who can give him lessons. The mother agreed, for she also was very anxious to have Dino as well as possible, and she was very grateful to her benefactor for making this possible. There is another reason which makes a longer stay necessary, continued the director. As I fully intend to visit you and the children several times during the winter, I have rented a more comfortable apartment for you, because I was rather afraid of finding your tower-like dwelling a little inconvenient for me. The apartment will be ready for you in the late autumn, and I want you to get all the rest you can before you move there, for it is sure to involve some additional work for you. I hope sincerely that you do not resent my step. I can only thank you continually, said the mother now. The children arrived at the same moment, and all further words from her were swallowed up in their loud and stormy manifestations of joy. Cornelli had already told them of her father's plan to let them all stay in Illerstream till winter time. When all the fruit had ripened on the trees, and Dino was shaking one of them and Cornelli another, Matthew looked over from the barn door, happily rubbing his hands. Right under the tree he saw the other children, one biting into an apple, the other into a pear. It certainly is different now from last year, he said, smiling to himself. There is not a rotten plum or a lonesome pear in all the orchard. Every evening, when the last songs resounded in the house, there were some of thanks and praise which rose up to heaven like a loud rejoicing. More than once the director said to his little daughter, when she gave him her good-night kiss, Did not God mean well with us, Corneli, when he guided Martha to write such an inviting notice to the paper? End of chapter 10 End of Corneli by Johannes Spiri. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain.